Hello and welcome to my boyfriend's podcast. I am your boyfriend Tim and I'm joined as always by your boyfriend Walt and your boyfriend Chris and joined as sometimes by your boyfriend Nick. Hey. Welcome Nick. Shout out to Shout Nick. out. Glad to have you in the mix this evening. Mm-hmm. So tonight your boyfriend likes deaths. <laughs> Particularly grisly death scenes in movies to characters who don't always deserve it. Yeah. Ooh. We're in the Halloween season. There's nothing more chilling than seeing somebody get horribly murdered or otherwise killed who doesn't have it coming to him. <laughs> Which is why we are calling this topic the Oberyn Martell Memorial Category. <laughs> rest rest in probably three pieces. <laughs> yeah, rest or, in power, definitely. Depends on I'll... how you're counting those teeth. Um, <laughs> right. Yeah, it is maybe the worst, like, just most viscerally unpleasant death I've ever seen, certainly on television. This is, We're talking, of course, of Oberyn Martell in Game of Thrones, who was totally winning. He was winning until the uh, Tim. What's the Auburn sticker? The zero zero uh, yeah. one. He, it was at zero zero one. I mean, and he was <laughs> headed for the end zone. I guess he f- he fumbled, went out the back. Now That's it's right. headed the yeah. other way. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it, Senor Clegane got his kick six. Sure. <laughs> he yeah. did pretty pretty rough stuff. So, a, a murder so foul, in fact, that it is like a thesis statement for the entire show. Yeah. Um, uh, a murder so foul. Mm-hmm. Is a, a murder essay. most foul. It's a, good, it's a good essay title. Thank you. Are we ready to jump into our first category? <laughs> That's right. Yeah. Let's get into these deaths. Let, let's mm-hmm. let's talk about some dead folks. There's no way for a man to die. Yeah, you're right, Ed. A parachute not opening. That's a way to die. Getting caught in the gears of a combine. Having a nut spit off by a Laplander. That's the way I want to go. Our first category is going to be monster-related deaths. A lot of dinosaurs are going to make this list here. <laughs> a, a kind of monster. A, a, a natural monster. A monster, back a monster to life. If, if you're in the wrong timeline, it's a monster. But it might just be a bird. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but not a plane. That's right. Yeah. But sometimes a propeller. <laughs> <laughs> it's a living. Uh, let's, let's, <laughs> this is an extremely niche joke that we have no context delivered for yet. So please, mm-hmm. can someone tell me, what are you talking about with this propeller? We always like to zoom out just a little bit and say, like, well, why do we talk about this? Like, what is uh, moving or meaningful about these horrible deaths? And uh, I think it all comes back to in the film Titanic, in which there is no monster but capitalism and Billy Zane. Um, uh, the environment and luck. <laughs> I, I guess uh, the devil's drink as well. Um, but a, a guy. The, the, the ship doesn't crash until the boobs are flashed. Oh, oh gotta say. that's true. <laughs> Sounds like a very horror movie. <laughs> I got to, very, truly it a Victorian, is, is, yeah. Victorian Edwardian movie. After they done goofed and after they've run into the titular iceberg, that movie's called Iceberg, right? <laughs> um, <Yeah>. uh, <laughs> uh, somebody is crawling up like at the tippy top and is trying to jump to, into the water. It's He's probably not going to make it regardless, but... He jumps off, and <laughs> before he gets anywhere near the water, bonks right on the <laughs> propeller, falls, bonks, and uh, presumably drowns if he didn't already just like shatter his spine. This guy is just this, as shown, is like this tiny ant who falls off the side, dies in <laughs> kind of a darkly humorous fashion. And it's just this sort of look at like the scale of humanity and how tiny we are in comparison to such large and terrifying things, whether it's gravity uh, or uh, actual monsters. I, if I can it's quote like a, just a wise man very quick, 
There's always a bigger fish. That's <laughs> true. <laughs> the wisest of Jedi. Also, uh, it's just like a very wily coyote kind of like scenario. Just the don't don't don't. Yeah, like I mean, the, uh, if, if the guy had never looked down, he might not have fallen. Right. Yeah. Exactly. Something, that, something you know, to consider. You could imagine. Could a, you, <laughs> right. Pro tip. Yeah. He, he, he <laughs> ran. He ran off the ledge for about a couple seconds, and he looked down, and he held up the sign and said, "Help." Yeah. And then just fell <laughs> to his right. death. Exactly. You could imagine. Okay. You could imagine a Wilhelm scream. Yeah. That's of course. Okay. Yeah. Well, let's get to, let's get to some monsters. Let, let's here. let's do it. So if the first thing that came to mind when we were considering this category, really the thing that inspired it. And Tom, I think I'll let you you talk about it because we watched this holding hands together in sure. the movie theater. Right. Of course, that is a movie Jurassic World in which Pearl Zara, she gets uh, Tyrannodons swoop down, they pick her up, and she gets picked at and chomped at. That, that by itself Scooped. is one you know, of the worst scooped. things because like, she is shrieking in pain as these Tyrannodons are just, like, pecking away at her. And, not like, so gentle, the yeah, she, She's saying, this is not the Uber that I've requested. That's <laughs> <laughs> true. Uh, zero stars. Yeah, definitely yeah. definitely zero stars. Especially given they do not drop her at her destination. They instead yeah. drop her in the Mosasaur tank. Right. Yeah. This gigantic, multi-toothed leviathan Jesus. that gobbles her up. Not a fun conversation, if you ask me. <laughs> yeah, not, not at all. Like And, like, before it even comes up, like, so... It is a stretch to call anything in the movie Jurassic World Hitchcockian, but, uh, <laughs> yeah. but, I, but, I, but I will say this: like they, they did a good job of showing off like everything in like its its proper cage or whatever early on, including the Mosasaurus, which we've seen come up and eat a great white shark for some reason. Like, like it's, that's it's Sea World like style, show, yeah. Like yeah. scale. You're referring to its actual cage, yes. You know, sort of like the I, having not seen the film, we're talking about. Just this is sort of like a zoo or yes. something like that. Yeah, yeah, it's 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 like the Shamu show. It's like if Jurassic Park worked. Oh. Is is the purpose of the movie? Well, which it only does for a certain amount of time. Yeah, things things go wrong. They they create a spooky monster dinosaur. Of course. Um. Anyway, uh, for so, the military. Yeah, uh, that's <laughs> that, that's that's true. Uh, or really, well, we don't have to get in the nuts and bolts of Jurassic World, do we? <laughs> but we um, can't. No, we don't have time. But <laughs> but uh, so so we've seen that like there's something fucking horrible in this tank, and the Tyrannodons are like are pecking at her. She's trying to fight, and she she falls, and then they catch her by them by the mouth again, and finally uh, they dovetail into the tank, and she's just in the water. And is fighting for her life in like almost like a cinema verite sort of thing where it's like we're right there like on her face and she's like <laughs> drowning and like struggling for air and it's so horrible and we know there's something else there and then like right when you would expect it to come it comes up and swallows <laughs> both of them the Tyrannodon Gom. and Zara and like, there's this always is, a bigger fish there's always a bigger fish and, and so there was. And like like Zara had not done anything wrong. Like she she's like an assistant to Bryce Dallas Howard's character is looking after like the shitty kids who are the main characters in the movie. Yeah, loses them for five seconds. Like that's the only thing she does wrong. And I guess they cut out whatever scenes were supposed to make her unlikable because she's just like a normal person. Yeah, who dies she's just brutally. <laughs> yeah, she's just doing her job. And it's like oh yeah, you fucked up like a little bit, but that's like what kind of anyone probably in that situation because they were just pissed off kids. <laughs> Yeah, or just like you know, disobedient. Like they're living in like a like a fun Amblin like movie. They're going to go hang out with ET or something. Yeah, exactly. And and she is like, oh, living. Oh fuck, in, they're gone. She's living in the most hardcore world imaginable. Yeah, uh, which this happens. This is a recurring theme in Jurassic Park movies. So in the second one, The Lost World, which we've had cause to talk about recently on the podcast. In fact, Ian Malcolm and his lady friend Julianne Moore. And Vince Vaughn are all in a real pickle in the middle of the Lost World. They're hanging. I, I can't even 
remember how this happens. It's but like, yeah, they're they're hanging over the side of a cliff, and they're in their in, like mobile command center thing. Yeah, like basically right. in like these, these glammed out trailers. Yeah, and you know they're they're about to fall off when who should save them but Toby Ziegler himself from from the West Wing um, <laughs> in his camo Mercedes. Yeah, yeah, he shows up and he's got like the winch hooked up and he's like. Going full speed in reverse, pulling them away from the brink of of certain death, basically. He's the hero, 100%. And then, oh no, the T-Rexes show up because the baby T-Rex is... Like Like in the... In the trailer or something, maybe yeah. like accidentally it, or no, no like, it, uh, it was just like mistaken. Like, oh, you got this baby T Rex. You tried to save it. It had a broken leg. Yeah, they're like oh. veterinary stuff. Okay, I haven't seen it. Yeah, because so. because they're dinosaur veterinar- veterinarians. Right. It's a real yeah, cool yeah, movie. Yeah, yeah. A thing you can be. Yeah, you yeah. Said, I studied it at Auburn. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> large animal. Yeah, <laughs> very yeah. large animal. Yeah, uh, chaos theory and. Um, <laughs> Anyway, so like, so this is all conspired to lure the two T Rexes, the proud mommy and daddy, to find out what the fuck's going on. And so they do classic T Rex style. Like they look at the camo, <laughs> the camo jeep, not well camouflaged enough. No, and um, and it's moving too much. Well, it's moving. Yeah, it's, yeah, that's true. <laughs> exactly also, right. we, we are it's dino an engine, so there's heat. <laughs> right. Yeah. <laughs> And so Eddie Carr keeps trying to save them, keeps pulling in reverse, and he tries to pull out his big dart gun, but the like sight gets hooked on this net or something. And yeah. So he just can't get it out. Like he he is so fucked. That's why you never go with the seat back net. I, yeah, I guess so. <laughs> and so he uh he gets pulled out of out of the SUV. One of the uh, T Rexes bites down on like half of him, and the other one bites down the other half, and they rip him in half. Whoa. Oh yeah. And it is so awful. It it's like to- honestly, it's like me at Jimmy John's, where I said this sandwich must be cut in half. <laughs> <laughs> it's so awful to watch, and it happens to like maybe the most sympathetic character in the movie as he's doing his most heroic deed. Right, and uh, yeah, it's just one of those things where like uh, truly didn't see it coming, well, and, shit, you, and you hate to see it. You hate to see it. We hate to see it. Yeah. Okay, so another one where like the people seem so small uh, in the face of such <laughs> giant monsters is the War of the Worlds remake from Steven Spielberg in 2005 where like, and I'm thinking specifically, like there are multiple times where human, humanity is just completely nothing in the face of, of these giant tripods. Specifically when they first rise up at the beginning and it's a classic Spielberg thing where everyone's like looking in awe but also yeah. kind of like like they're dumb Boston yokels, like just like have no <laughs> yeah. idea what the fuck's going on. It's wicked tall, <laughs> exactly. Right, and then they they all turn and run because the you know it starts looming over them, and then the heat rays start. And again, lots of people die horribly. Uh, presumably, everyone who gets heat ray dies the exact same horrible death. Right. But one person in particular, like we focus on one lady who's like right behind Tom Cruise uh, as they're all running away. And she gets heat rayed by one of the tripods and it just focuses on her face as she is turned to ash and her scream is like the last thing as she's like turning to gray and Ooh. it's so awful <laughs> and damn um, very that's memorable. like some shit from the mummy or something it's like yeah, yeah for awesome. sure yeah and a like, big inspiration to Spielberg I think <laughs> <laughs> yeah absolutely uh, Brendan Fraser's the mummy mm-hmm. and uh, did he direct it mm-hmm yeah. yeah, directed, produced, wrote, and starred. Uh, <laughs> Are you shitting me? And scored. No. No, of <laughs> no. course not, dude. I'm absolutely that, shitting you. Have you seen case. that meme going around where he like signs something? I Brendan, did see it. It's an 
I was, I was in, in the, the mummy. mummy. <laughs> <laughs> it's so good. I love um, a self-aware uh, yeah. person. He rules. He's just the yeah. best. Um, and George of the Jungle. Right. Yeah, yeah he George was George himself. of the Jungle. Always. King uh, George. And see man. Other people unfrozen. Okay, 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 okay. So anyway, never died horribly as far as I'm aware in any movies. Maybe in Crash. I don't recall. Um, <laughs> but so that, that's where the world's. There's also people who get like, Caught up by the Martians and like harvested for blood, which is really awful too. Yeah, like the red weed or whatever. Yeah, smoking yeah. Smoking that red weed. Sorry, that red weed. Whatever. Yeah, it was six foot tall and smoked that red yeah. weed. <laughs> um, also on this list that has like sort of a Spielbergian influence, also from 2005, if I'm not mistaken, is uh, the King Kong remake by Peter Jackson. Peter Jackson, who started as a horror Peter filmmaker. Jackson. Uh, uh, Peter Jackson, who you still love sneaking in some horrific shit from time to time. And King Kong, like, has a lot of horrifying shit in it. That remake does, as does the original. And Andy Serkis gets it real bad in this movie. He's playing, like, the ship's cook, Lumpy, if I'm not mistaken. And he what makes it <laughs> he makes it through, like, a stampede of dinosaurs and, like, getting attacked by, like, the, you know, like, the natives of the island and kind of a, <laughs> a problematic scene. Um, mm, not uh, at all. 2005? 2005, yeah, exactly. A simpler time. And anyway, like he manages to survive all this stuff, but he does not survive the absolute worst death uh, to be doled out in the entire movie, which is when they're, they're walking through like this one sort of cavern, and all of these like giant worms start coming out of like these sort of cocoons Yum. or something. And like they, they're, they look like actual worms or it's an actual breed of worm. They're just like a giant version of that. But how, like, how big are we talking? Cause it, I saw this movie, but I, I, it's been a minute. I'll, I'll tell you exactly big enough to say swallow an individual limb each. And so that's uh, what happens to him is like, he's hacking away at him with his machete and one swallows up one arm and another the other arm. And then he's screaming and then one goes over his head oh, and it goes man. horribly silent as he's still getting, you know, digested by Jeez. these things. It is such a gnarly way to go. I got to <laughs> say that is, you know, if it were just worms that could swallow your entire person whole, I don't know that it would be as gruesome and horrifying as just slightly smaller worms but several of them yeah yeah this is this is a classic like would you rather fight many duck-sized uh, <laughs> horses or one horse-sized duck um one <laughs> w- w- of those situations one, one horse-sized untitled duck <laughs> yeah exactly and i think we all know what the more horrifying scenario is <laughs> yeah. so anyway just so i got out that out there that's not a very remarkable movie otherwise and let me tell you watching it or watching like the kill count again to sort of like remind myself of everything that CGI does not hold up with this one yeah. very important exception. Yeah. The both so both rough. War of the Worlds and uh, and King Kong sort of do seem like the cusp of CGI. Where if they were to, to have been made maybe ten years later, and Spielberg you, Spielberg what, should the, know better. Film at night. No, War, <laughs> War of the Worlds still looks good. I, I, I got to say that like, it, it has the gray dystopia like yeah. sci-fi thing that I think really does smooth a lot of the CGI. Um, okay. Yeah. A, a big sharp part of, edges. A big part the of it too is just the sound design. Like when the tripods show up, they or right before they show up, they release this horrible like foghorn noise, and it like trust me, bud, <laughs> it like foghorn like foghorn leghorn exactly. These aliens been here uh, 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 for the, the whole time. <laughs> <laughs> I do declare that I'm allergic to earth bacteria. <laughs> <laughs> and that it will be my undoing. 
So anyway, those those are some uh, some in that category. But Nick, I think you're you're ready to close us out. All right, for this category, we're going to end with X Men, specifically X Men: Days of Future Past. Now, this is a story about some uh, some young teens who have wonderful powers and do heroic deeds. Right? That's what it's about. Yeah. Well, it's it's a it's a just bizarre story about time travel where like. The Sentinels, which are famous in the X-Men universe and in all Marvel, but especially X-Men, they come and just like, because their job is to destroy mutants, basically. And so they come, and in the future, it's just this dystopia. There's like fire everywhere. Everything's on fire. It's all Mordor, basically. Yeah, yeah, buildings are crumbling, and they One does not simply walk into the future. Can Can you tell me what the Sentinels look like? They're tall purple guys. Well, no, in, in, in the comics, and the comics are literally just tall purple guys. Yeah, yeah which is the, a, a recurring theme from anything designed by Jack Kirby. Yeah, but, uh, <laughs> but just, in, in the movie, I think they thought that would look too silly, and so they're like, kind of, they're sort of like liquid metal, like the like the, the Capri Sun Surfer. Just so, yeah, exactly. Or like Terminator Surfer. Yeah, I was gonna say the Terminator. Yeah, but. <laughs> But I think you're. I think you are Alex Mack, perhaps. Um, but, yeah. Uh, you, th- you, th- you think I have a personal connection here? To yeah. The- yeah. But anyway, so like they they're like, yeah, they're, they're sort of like hulking, sort of shape shifting robots. Yeah. Yeah. I'm familiar with robots. But yeah, and so for all these heroes, they just come and they just tear them to fucking shreds. And it's funny because like even though like. Some of like the older heroes or some of the more flawed ones like Magneto and Presser X were like they're definitely way more flawed than like a bunch of the younger ones who are just kids. Yeah. It's a lot of the kids just being like torn to shreds. Like I think Iceman like gets his head like ripped off or something. Yeah. It's <laughs> it's so bad. So this is canon that the X-Men are basically massacred. Yeah, in, in this in this, in this dark timeline. future, in this timeline, gotcha. which they send Wolverine back in time to undo and and basically he goes back to the future three and yeah. gets like he goes to the wild west. He's, <laughs> he smelled a massacre, but there was some way to back you bastards up. Yeah, <laughs> uh, yeah he uh, like he's sent back in time to prevent this forever from happening and also to retcon all the horrible things that happened in the X-Men movies prior, which is really why they made that movie is to like reset everything. A la Star Trek. Oh yeah, they yes. wanted to, the, uh, the original X-Men series, they wanted to like be like, yeah, we know the third one was awful. We know that sucked. Yeah, yeah, we, we fucked this up real bad. Let's <laughs> let's give ourselves another shot at this. Understood. And Understood. they fucked it up again. <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, but before, in the process of doing that, they had to show you like how bad this future was. And like you'd think getting hunt by, hunted by Sentinels and you know, on being constantly on the run and like this horrible like dystopian Mordor future. So it is like X Men makes the Terminator. That's one hundred percent like that. Yeah. But the Terminator doesn't just shoot you dead in a in a club called Tech Noir. <laughs> Instead, <laughs> yeah, buddy. Instead, uh, it uh, they rip you to pieces or like shoot you know spikes through you or something like you do. It is it is so incredibly brutal and like for a PG thirteen movie that is about superheroes, you know, allegedly, it is it is really something.
Well, that wraps us up for the monster-related category. Let's uh, dip into the horror-adjacent deaths. That's right. So, you know, we're talking specifically about these sort of grisly-ish deaths that are not from horror movies specifically. But uh, having watched it only days ago, uh, a film that is, gets looped into horror films, um, and it's one of the monsters that we talked about in our Monster Mash episode, uh, which will be released by the time that this episode comes out. Yeah. <laughs> um, you know, the film Scream is less a horror film and almost like a film about horror films. Yeah, it's very meta. A and cabin it, in the woods type. It is very cabin in the woods. But I mean, it basically killed slasher movies as a genre because like, no one could take them seriously after Scream. Yeah. So, you know, again, the basic premise of Scream is that there are grisly killings that are happening in this, uh, I'm sure it's California town. Uh, I believe it's actually set in North Carolina. Really? Yeah. I, we were trying to figure that out sure. the other night, and it was like, there are mountains, which I guess could be California, but... Sure. Yeah, the guy, the guy who wrote it, Kevin Williamson, is from North Carolina, and said it... Gay like, Dracula? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, <laughs> Cold Stone Steve, Steve Austin. Yeah. Yes. Um, but yeah, he, he, I believe, said it in like something like, like his hometown. Yeah, it seemed like it was sort of like North Carolina, Virginia, if I had to guess. But anyway, um, these grizzly murders are happening here, but everyone that is being in, in this town trying to figure out who's murdering these high school kids and all that, they all watch a shit ton of horror movies. One of them works at a movie theater or at a movie store. A VHS store, yeah, perhaps uh, Blockbuster. Uh, it's part of Jamie Kennedy's experiment. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> right. um, people start renting VHSs of horror films just because horror is happening in their town. Yeah, but this one character Tatum, who is the sort of like sassy friend of Nev Campbell, uh, sort of the main character. Yeah, played by Rose played McGowan. by Rose McGowan. Yeah, is so sort of taken away by the fact that like this kind of seems like bullshit. Like, there's no way that, like, maybe there is a murderer, but, like, surely it's not one of us. Surely it's this sort of distant foe um, that when she gets, you know, spooked on by Ghostface, the the scream guy, in a garage, like, just the garage of this house, she's like, oh, what, are you going to murder me? What He, like, gets up (laughs) in his face. She's like, what, do you got a knife? You want to cut my throat? You want to have your way with me? You know, it's like this weird... uh, it's marshalling the raw energy of the 1990s to oh, defeat. Oh, entirely. To defeat yeah, it is slasher. an Alanis Morissette song. Uh, like, <laughs> purely there. Well, ironically, <laughs> what happens right. is. But, like, the whole time, like, the ghost face is basically nodding his head quietly <laughs> to every one of her questions about, Ye- like, are you going to kill me in a grisly way? And he's like, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> But he, like, really does start to do this. And she's carrying, like, five beers. And so... She sort of drops them, but they don't all break. And so she goes through this fight. She starts throwing beers at Ghostface. She tries to get out of the uh, of the garage through the dog door that is sort of yeah. built into the garage door. And it's already been shown in this scene that like you can press the button and the garage door comes up and down. And so she gets almost all the way through the garage, the dog door, and stops. And instead of Ghostface like saying, well, I'm just going to go hack the back half of her off with the knife. He says, let me just press the garage door button now that she's stuck yeah. and just sort of gets like slid up and basically hanged 
kind of. I, like, I, I believe what happens is that her head, like, because like she only really gets her head through. And it just yeah, crushes yeah. her head against the top of the garage door. Yeah, like she, like she. I think she gets almost to the waist, but as the garage door comes up, she sort of slides, slides back. Yeah. She just can't get oh. her head out of it, and so it ends up being almost like a noose. Like this dog door <laughs> operates the same way that a noose does, um, but it like sort of hits the top, and it's it's terrible. And she's sort of hanging there later when the main character um, sort of pops up and sees her, and it's it's this horrifying death, but. The thing is that Tatum doesn't deserve that. Yeah. Uh, Tatum is, yeah. to, uh, to my mind, the most likable character in the whole film. Maybe Courtney Cox as the, like, She's not likable in the first one. She's likable later on, but she's, she's very frustrating in that first one. Maybe I just um, like Courtney Cox. Well, obviously, yeah. But Tatum is, cool. Five, Tatum home, is cool. Hometown hero. Like, Tatum just does not have... Tatum doesn't deserve it. But it is a, yeah. it is a grisly death, and... Again, it's not necess- it's horror adjacent. Like it's a film about horror, but it's not necessarily a horror film. And her death is, you know, sort of a, almost a comment on that because she's not afraid of this person. Yeah, she is just sort of taunting him, saying like, "Oh, you think you're gonna do to me what you've done to everyone else in town? Like, you're just a like you." Well, she doesn't really believe that it's him. Yeah, she thinks it's someone playing a prank. Yeah, and to be fair, spoiler alert for Scream, I believe it's her boyfriend played by Matthew Lillard under right. un, under the mask. And it she, is. It absolutely is someone playing a prank. But the prank is that they I'm murder to kill people. you. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Also, um, Matthew Lillard, who played uh, Scooby, or no, who played Shaggy in the mm-hmm. live action movies, and. Played, I knew I recognized that ass and played somewhere. played a character in the Twin Peaks Return. Yeah, uh, and because I saw he's hey, great, I saw it and I was like, "Hey, that's Shaggy." Well, I gotta <laughs> say, he's pretty terrible in Scream. Like his his play acting is. I know that it's supposed to be self referential and a little over the top, but it is extremely distracting. It's it's definitely not under the top. <laughs> I'll, I'll say that. Yeah. Uh, but same is true of Scoot McNary, no, his uh, partner in crime, also spoiler alert. No, uh, uh, no uh, scenery Billy? left unchewed. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. for sure. Uh, so that's Tatum in Scream, but I think we've got some other uh, sort of horror-adjacent type films. It, yeah, so like Scream is a horror movie, but it's also making fun of horror movies, and it really asks you to like sort of interrogate what draws people to them. And... I think Tatum doesn't deserve it. Like usually people don't deserve it in horror movies or instant victims. It's that's why it's horrifying until the movies like start getting up their own ass and they're like, you want to see people die. That's why you come see these things. Yeah, but, <laughs> um, yeah, exactly. And so another movie where someone like really didn't deserve it because they like, they put up a good fight and were really like competent where lots of other people were not uh, is the resident evil movie. The first one that came out in 2002 Directed by our old friend Paul W. S. Anderson, who did Event Horizon and other, uh, other and Mortal Kombat, did other did other did classics, did did and uh, it sucks. You shouldn't watch it, but there is one scene <laughs> that has always stuck with me, and it's very early on where the titular evil residents, um, <laughs> uh, the 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 uh, mansion that they go to, has this lab under it that's full of uh, zombie making materials and that's where the zombies come from and the sort of supercomputer inside the house and inside the lab the red queen the uh, femputer uh, the femputer the fembot comes alive uh, to just to quarantine everything and destroy uh, you know any chance of, a, of an outbreak of the zombies the T virus getting out and so 
early on, we don't know all that's happening. We just know that there's probably something up with the house and the supercomputer living in, inside of it. And so this crack squad of cops, this sort of like super SWAT team called the Stars, that straight with from the Z, uh, not, not not with a Z, unfortunately. Um, although they've got movies, um, <laughs> the the Star Squad goes down, and they're very early on. They get trapped in this corridor, this like very very futuristic in space age, and a laser comes at them, and it's like this uh, straight horizontal line. Oh yeah, laser yeah, yeah, that yeah. that that, um, that comes at them, and most of them like have their heads on a swivel, and they duck and. Uh, it get it catches one one of them um, a woman sort of unawares in her head you know she gets decapitated by the laser and you're like oh shit and um, <laughs> and also one guy total like, stars one guy gets his gets his fingers cut off too in the initial wave and then a second one comes down and it starts off very low and then it jumps up high uh, oh, gotcha. and and, and, it, and it gets another one so like we know the computer is not playing fair here. Uh, but it doesn't get the leader of the stars team who just goes by one played by wonderful actor, Colin Salmon. Um, <laughs> Colin, he, he jumps up and he sees that there's like this metal grating above the corridor and he grabs up and he just like hoists himself above the lasers. And so you're like, Holy shit, this guy is actually like, he's got to figure it out. And so he's waiting for the next laser to come and he sees the line. He's ready and he's like stealing himself to either jump or duck or do whatever he needs to do. And it turns into like a fishnet basically. Like a grid. Yeah, a grid. And he just goes, shit. And there's nothing he can do. And it passes through him. And then from another character's perspective, you see him just like fall to literal pieces. Yeah, he gets diced. He he gets diced. And it's, it's such an awful death for a guy who like truly didn't have it coming. Um, okay, but he is a cop. No, that's true. And all <laughs> cops are bad. Um, so, that, 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 I, as the as the saying goes, all cops are bad. Yeah. <laughs> are bad. Yeah, a, a, a cab for sure. So, in in a way, I mean, we're all rooting for the Red Queen here. But yeah. Um, anyway, it is like the rest of the movie. Like you couldn't really call it a horror movie the way it's directed. Like it is like an action music video. Um, <laughs> like like literally Mia Jovovich, who married the director, and I believe they're still married. Like I, uh, during or after this, this Highlander movie, well, also an action mu- music video. Well, yes, that is true. That's <laughs> certainly true. Uh, I was gonna say, like, the, the um the Christopher Lambert marry Russell Mulcahy. I didn't know about that. Um, and yes, I did know the, the the star and the director of Highlander off the top of my head. Um, but no, like she she like she is somehow genetically engineered to like be the ultimate badass. And she like you know roundhouse kicks multiple zombie dogs and shit like it's not scary uh, at a certain point. But a movie that is scary and that features another person we've had cause to talk about at length is uh, the movie The Hitcher, starring Rucker Hauer as the aforementioned Hitcher, who is uh, just a crazy hitchhiker. He's just a a, a psychopath who is like a ghost haunting uh, the American highways. He's the reason you don't pick up hitchhikers anymore. Exactly. It was a more innocent time until the hitcher came around. Right. Uh, <laughs> right. Circa 1986. His name, of course, is John Ryder with a Y. And, <laughs> of course. Um, and so he is, uh, I can't remember the name of the, the lead guy. It's not Anthony Michael Hall, but that's the name I want to give him. He uh, basically is just tormented repeatedly. Like He manages to get Ryder out of his car early on, and he thinks he's won. And he's driving down the same highway later. And he looks to the side and he sees like a family uh, like with two young kids uh, with Ryder in the back smiling and waving at him. And he's like, get off the road, get off the fucking road. Like, he, And they think he's just a crazy guy like 
you know, riding in the in the next lane. And anyway, he crashes and he's because he's riding in the wrong lane. He's not looking where, at the road because he's trying to warn the family or gets run off the road anyway. And he's driving down later and sees the whole family, including the small child, have all been killed by Ryder. And that's a legitimate horror part of the movie. But it sort of transmutes as it goes along. He's seen all this shit the main guy has, uh, but nobody believes him. They think that he's the one who's killing everybody. And Ryder, Wrecker Howard, is trying to basically entrap him in some way or confuse the cops that this is happening. And it turns, it sort of escalates and turns more into an action movie, uh, sort of sort of as it goes along with like car chases and shootouts and shit like that. But it still has one very memorable, horrifying sequence where uh, our main character has managed to, managed to escape Ryder once again and maybe even thinks that Ryder is dead. And the only person who believes and the only person who takes him in and takes any pity on him is uh, Nash, played by Jennifer Jason Lee who is this, you know, really sweet, like, truck stop diner waitress. They, they stay at a motel together. There is a love scene, if I'm not mistaken. And it, it is the 80s. Yeah, and it's, it's like the only, like, respite from this, like, unrelenting horror that's going on. And, and Nash is just such a likable character in general. And so naturally, she ends up getting abducted by Ryder, uh, who is not dead, not by a long shot. And what he does is he ties her up between semi-trucks, two 18-wheelers. Oh, yep. And he's in the front one, and there's nobody in the back one. And he basically, like, lures the protagonist in and says, Tell you what, I'll let you hold the gun on me before I do anything. They'll catch you. Yeah. Sure. So what? Pick up the gun. Put it in my face. Right there. That's good. You know what to do. Now do it. Squeeze. And the main guy like agonizes over this and he just can't bring himself to kill Ryder even after everything that Ryder has done. And so Ryder is true to his word and floors it and you don't see what happens. You just hear about it later. And it's so much worse for not being shown. Uh, Cause all you can imagine that's like one of the worst things imaginable happened to one of the nicest possible characters. Yeah. And it's just, yeah. it's so rough. All I can think of is um, I've recently been reading um, discipline and punishment Discipline and Punish by Discipline and Punish by Michel Foucault. Michel Foucault, where the first part of it is him just describing this extremely gruesome death, where like they try to kill him and he doesn't die, and he's just please, he's like, please God forgive me, and like, like they do like the the same thing like with horses with each they limb, draw, draw and quarter, they draw yeah. and quarter yeah. him, but it doesn't work, so then they try to start like slicing down like his limbs. Yeah. 
Yeah. And and it still doesn't work. So they add two more horses to his legs or something. It's it's pretty bad. It's, yeah. It's brutal. It's literally the very first thing in that book because it's because it's talking about like it's talking about yeah. Yeah, talking about like the guy was like a regicide or an attempted yeah, murderer of, the, king, of yeah. the king in France, and France didn't have like a real penal state, and so in lieu of like mass incarceration, you have to make an example of the people who do stuff like that, and they they make an example out of that guy. Yeah, um, the problem was that like they tried a lot of stuff and it didn't kill him immediately, so they just made it worse and worse. Like I think like dumped like it's like failed iron failed into uh, his, beheadings. Into his yeah, it becomes it actually becomes part of the process later because it is so horrible. Yeah, it's it's um, it's brutal. Because again, you don't want it to happen to you. Yeah, uh, don't exactly. don't don't kill the king. Uh, as far <laughs> as I know, Jennifer Jason Lee did not try to kill any kings in yeah. in this. Like she she was pretty blameless. But did she marry and, the director? She did, I also don't think she married the director, and she did not roundhouse kick Rucker Howard. Should have tried that while she while she still could. Uh, but she anyway, had that's the chance. Uh, that's that's the end of our horror adjacent deaths. So that brings us to our spy related deaths, and uh, we'll we'll kick off with Strawberry Fields and Quantum of Solace. Yeah, this is a this is a, a throwback to how I can't remember, I believe the character's name is Jill Masterson, but she's like Goldfinger's girlfriend and Goldfinger. And she helps James Bond figure out that Goldfinger is cheating at all of his car games at like this Miami right. resort or something. She's, she's watching with binoculars and calling on the radio yeah. down to Goldfinger's earpiece because she's sitting opposite or she's sitting behind, but like 20 floors up or whatever. Yeah. yeah. The like people he's playing cards or whatever. whatever. Yeah. Yeah. And Bond like seduces her and I would try to. Sure. Yeah. And, and, <laughs> and to, to get uh, his revenge, Goldfinger has his goons cover her in like it's just non-breathable like gold paint. Gold, yeah. 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 And and so she she suffocates because of that. And so But she looks like a great statue covered sure. in gold paint. Sure. Sure. Mm-hmm. Uh and so uh, in Quantum of Solace, which is part of like a vaguely rebooted James Bond timeline, they they sort of have an homage to this with yeah. Gemma Arderton's character, uh, Strawberry Fields, who isn't a field agent. She's like totally out of her depth and she's going to bring Bond back in after he's, believe it or not, gone rogue. And, <laughs> uh, and they're like, M sends memoir. Yeah. He's got a license to kill. Oh, that's <laughs> certainly true. But M sends her because uh, she thinks that fields will be able to persuade him and like, you know, sort of appeal to his uh, better, better angels or whatever. When he comes back from a mission back to his hotel room, he sees that Strawberry Fields has been killed, and not just killed, but he's on on the hunt of like this evil like oil tycoon, and she's been dipped in crude oil and yeah. left to to suffocate inside of it, and like it's just a bad way to. She's go. like on the bed, like just and like the, yeah, covered. they put they lay her down because that's like the only part of it I've seen, and that's that was it's just like a brutal. still shot, isn't it? Yeah. yeah, and it just just like again with Jill Masterson and Goldfinger, gotcha. but like yeah. somehow even worse to kind of imagine. And Jill Masterson, at least like by Goldfinger's twisted standards, did something wrong. Like she betrayed Goldfinger one way or another. Yeah, like you the, know when the gas pump doesn't work and you get like a little bit of gas on your hand. And it it's kind of like that. <laughs> yeah, it's kind of like that, for sure. Yeah, and you like, just like if you she wash was, yeah, your you hands s- and you can still smell yeah. it. Yeah, you smell it until Prattville. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's it's like Strawberry Fields was, was working as a mechanic and things got out of hand. Right. You know, it's like, right. <laughs> or things got on hand. <laughs> <laughs> sure. I'm sorry. Oh, we God. we must move on. We we simply must. 
Uh, but so, we digress. But we digress. So another spy-related horrible death to someone who didn't deserve it, as far as we know. Uh, this is the be- at the beginning of the first Mission Impossible movie, directed by Brian De Palma. Uh, it's a great film. It's good. Look, look, they're all good in their own way, uh, yeah. including Mission Impossible 2. Including MI2, which, like, if you just accept it, you know. Yeah, written whatever. by the same guy who did Chinatown. Look, um, it knows why you want to hate it. That's yeah. <laughs> true. <laughs> well, because Hannah's all the rules, yeah. even see that. <laughs> right. Yeah. Um, <laughs> And so yeah, uh, that took me one too many seconds. <laughs> yeah, for the guy who brought it to the podcast, and and frankly, uh, dredged it up like an ancient evil back into the world. Um, <laughs> so Mission Impossible begins with Ethan Hunt, Tom Cruise's character, on an impossible mission, as you'd expect. Yeah, exactly. And uh, so he's got the whole team, you know, sort of engaged, and they're they're all like hitting up the different spots and doing the different assignments. And one of them is like their hacker guy, played by Emilio Estevez, Charlie Sheen's brother, and um, who is yeah. uh, uh, Co- Coach Bombay of the Mighty Ducks, exactly Gordon Bombay, uh, who's on top of an elevator trying to like jack into the mainframe to do hackership, whatever. And little do any of them know, but they've all been betrayed by the former head of the Impossible Mission, mission Force. Uh, the I the I <laughs> exactly right. Uh, uh, Jim Phelps played in this case by uh, Angelina Jolie's dad, whose name I'm blanking. Brian on. Voigt. <laughs> yeah, or yeah, John John Voigt. Voigt. John yeah. Voigt. It is Whatever. John Voigt. That's right. And uh, it turns out he's a bad guy. He sold out his his former team, and all of them die or apparently die except for Ethan Hunt. But only one of them dies in a very memorably horrible way. And that, of course, is Emilio Estevez, Charlie Sheen's brother, who uh, is on top of this elevator. Instead of staying perfectly stationary where it had been, it goes up. And you would think, oh, no, Emilio Estevez is going to get get squished, uh, which is a bad way to go. But instead of getting squished, it's going up and a piece of metal falls down from the ceiling that he's, you know, racing toward. toward, Yeah. Um, And it's like it's like a long iron dagger basically the way the way that it falls down and just for a split second you see him look up and it go into his eye and that's the last we see of Emilio Estevez in this movie (laughs) and it is it's such a nightmarish way to go and like they could have just been an explosion could have just been anything but they really wanted to kill Emilio Estevez in that movie that's right and they kill him early they sure do and then they replace him with uh with Ving Rhames so you know uh hella badass live and learn that, so that, you know, again, we're in the category of spy-related deaths. Mm. And some people think that they're spies, but truly are not really ready for being a spy. Talking um, get smart. They're not ready for the real shit. Yeah, the raw intelligence. The raw oh, intelligence. Yeah, that's say. right. Um, so we're going to go to a character or a film <laughs> that we have uh, referenced in the past in a more serious way. Yeah. That is Brad Pitt's character in Burn After Reading. He's just a simple gym rat, you know, who... <laughs> Who loves? Comes from a long line of gym rats. Exactly. Yeah. Lo- uh, He's a simple hyper chicken from a backwater asteroid. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that's a joke I don't quite get yet, but I. It's a I, Futurama. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, he's just a uh, loves working out. He's really trying to get Francis McDormand to like, you know, get out in the world and their friends through the gym. Uh, hard bodies, the gym. <laughs> yeah. But they, you know, they find uh, accidentally perhaps the raw intelligence. Uh, and this is simply an ex-CIA agent's memoir dropped on, what, a thumb drive, I think? Yeah. In yeah. in the bathroom of hard bodies. Absolutely you know, nothing of consequence. Nothing of consequence, really. Uh, but they, they pursue these as, like, faux spies. 
So is he high up? Uh, I don't know if he's high. Probably. I mean, I got his name, not his rank. So what's his name? Osborne Cox. Never heard of him. Oh, like, you're so plugged into the intelligence I'm community. I'm just saying, it's a layperson. Well, I think the quality of the intelligence dictates how high up he is, okay. not what we know. I also, do you, do you have any water? I gotta hydrate. I got tap water. Are you kidding? How do you know who he is? Sources. What do you mean, sources? You got like Gatorade or anything besides like Maryland Swamp Water. Do you know how far this is from my- How do you know his name? I got this geek friend, Eddie Gallegos. He does computer stuff, hooks up people's computers and programs their VCRs and shit. So he examines the files and pulls off the digital watermark, which tells you what computer it was created on. Fucking child's play for Eddie. Uh-huh. And I got his number. I got his number. Oh, my God. That was a bit more difficult. Should we give him a tinkle? Oh, my God. Why? Because... He's gonna want to know that his shit is secure. He, he, he's gonna be relieved. He might even be so relieved that he gives us a reward. I would be very fucking surprised if he did not. Oh, wow. Very surprised. Like the, you know, Good Samaritan tax. Which is not even a tax, really, since it's voluntary. Brad Pitt, not realizing exactly what it is that he's doing, sneaks inside of George Clooney's character's home. George Clooney is a current CIA agent, Oh, yeah. He's a Secret Service agent, yeah, who, like, who, as he says, got a gun, never shot it before. Uh, <laughs> right. Never yeah, use it. Yeah. Like, it's like, that's like his go-to line when people yeah. ask him what well, he Well, George Clooney's big thing at this point in the film is that he's uh, he's having an affair, and he is building a enormous sex toy, mm-hmm. but is 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 a likable guy. Um, he's just <laughs> sure. a terrible agent, really. Yeah. Um, but uh, someone, he realizes, has broken into his home, and he feels very suspicious about the whole thing, so he gets out his gun that he has no real experience with. And it's Brad Pitt that's in his home, hiding in a closet behind his clothing. And at one point, George Clooney sort of opens the closet door, and Brad Pitt, with his like dumbass look, uh, has like a, a hanging bottom lip that's gives just like this, like, oh, uh, the dumbest grin. The dumbest imaginable. grin ever. George Clooney. Throws aside the the clothes, and he's just like, Ugh. and George Clooney immediately shoots a bullet straight in his face, and yeah. you see all of the blood rush out into the back and smack the back of the closet, and he just slides down, and is just sitting there in the closet, and it's not especially gruesome, but it is extremely unexpected, very frightening, and it happens to someone who is just trying to. Solve the raw, raw intelligence. Yeah, it's just know. trying to scam. Somebody also, for just some like money. He's yeah, just, he's, they're just trying to get some money out of this ordeal, you know, so that uh, Frances McDormand can get her uh, what liposuction or whatever. Well, she she has a series of plastic surgeries she wants to get. <laughs> That's just right. Yeah. yeah, I would say you know rest in what power he had, Brad yeah, Pitt. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Pulling it is. Out. It is a definitely a, a shockingly brutal scene. And it does seem like it's such a screwball kind of wacky movie for as dark as the themes are. Yeah. And yeah. that's when like the themes and the movie finally like coalesce a little bit like, oh, this is actually serious. Yeah. Well, and then later at the very end of the film, you know, sort of before it re- very abruptly ends, we only hear about it. But uh, John Malkovich appears to use an axe. <laughs> Intruder! In the, in, the mid- <laughs> in the middle of a street in Washington, D.C., 
to just sort of hack a person to death uh, <laughs> that he considers to be an intruder. Play, played by sweet Richard Jenkins, who never did anything wrong. Oh. Right. He, he's the actual innocent who dies in that movie yeah. never in heard a horrible nobody. way. Yeah, Nick said he hasn't seen it. It's a good film. You should watch yeah. it. Yeah. Um, I like Coen Brothers, so... I will say the first time that I watched it, it was a very unsatisfying ending because it ends very abruptly. Yeah. But I think you have the the sort of distance from it that would yeah. you know let you appreciate the the pacing of it. And all that. <laughs> yeah, it now has the weight of history behind it, too, <laughs> right, as right. we've discussed. I mean, I've seen No Country for Old Men, Absolutely. and that's it's a great movie, but goddamn, is it paced slow? Uh, well, this is an, a, a very different episode, way to pace friend. a film, but uh, but it's good. Check it out. Well, that does wrap us up for our spy-related deaths, and that gets us into our final category, which is, of course, soberingly real deaths. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> right. stuff you could like really kind of imagine happening in real life. Yeah, yeah pretty visceral shit. Yeah. Um, uh, the first one to kick us off here is Lust in Seven, and if you have seen this movie, you're already cringing. <laughs> yeah, uh, right. and if you're like me, you're maybe thinking about Muammar Gaddafi. <laughs> Whoa! And you hate Whoa. to see it. <laughs> you hate to yeah. see it. Yeah. You sure do. Hello, friends. It's your producer Walt speaking. Uh, due to some technical difficulties, that's always why you get a note from me. Uh, due to some technical difficulties, we uh, have lost a couple of the little segments that we did in this episode. Specifically, we're going to talk about the. A victim of the lust kill in the movie Seven, and also about uh, various unfortunate soldiers in Saving Private Ryan. Um, for whatever reason, that audio just dropped off, and so you'll just have to imagine the wonderful conversation that we had. There's so many opportunities for you to be blown up, shot at, Otherwise, just destroyed. Shot at, missed, shit at, hit. Yeah. Well, and also, like, the the fact that you get blown up and, like, it just doesn't really matter to the big no, man, yeah, you know? Yeah. And then he, even if you live, you might as well not. Yeah. yeah. And he's a sticky bomb guy because he didn't have a name. <laughs> like, he's, yeah. he's just the guy who explodes horribly. Yeah. So next on the list is another thing that I, hard to imagine happening to me but did actually happen to a human being. And this is from the uh, great miniseries, previous recommendation, Chernobyl, where we just see the aftermath of being around a, a nuclear reactor that has melted down. And there is a period called the walking ghost period where you'll be alive for a while and you might even appear to recover briefly, but you are a dead man walking. There is no getting around it. And after that brief, like, sort of lull when it seems like you might be okay or you just got a cough or something like that, you're, like, I don't know the, the specifics of it, and they're really pretty measured in how they depict it in the show. But this guy who, yeah. he's just pressing the one button like he was do doing what he was instructed to do. He was not the asshole who fucked everybody over, basically. Yeah. Uh, he's just a kid, you know, uh, from a rural town who d wasn't properly educated in how to deal with any of this stuff. And also there's plenty of lies inherent in their processes. So the victim of the weight of all that, it basically his skin just like cracks and burns and sloughs off yeah. uh, and his eyes melt and stuff like that. Yeah. It is, it's so bad. And uh, yeah, it's just like, don't get caught in your uh, melting down nuclear power plant. I will attempt to avoid that. Yeah. That, that's, that's really all there is to it. But like, 
it's depicted as I understand it, like fairly realistically and in terms of what, what actually happens to people with radiation poisoning and so much of Chernobyl, so much of the haunting sort of element of it is that radiation radioactivity itself is like an invisible monster. Right. You know, it's only depicted in, you know, the clicks of the radiometers and stuff like that and in its effect on people. And that's where we really see the monster kind of claim the victim. And it's like the most straightforwardly horrifying thing probably in the whole show. So yeah, shout out to that. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) It is a great show. Highly recommend it. But anyway, also uh, another situation where I I absolutely will never find myself in one we got to put out there because it is a PG 13 movie that is just about space and what it's like to be there. Uh, It's gravity, which is there's none of it in space, none of it in space. As far as I'm aware, or the, um, there are plenty of it, but just not enough. Yeah, but there there are uh, three human beings up in space at this point. One is Sandy Bullock. One is uh, one is the aforementioned George Clooney. That's right. And one is some Russian guy. And you better believe that it's not. <laughs> it's yeah, it's not the first two who are going to so, die. Some red shirted Russian guy. Yeah, yeah uh, a guy named Sharif and. Basically, the Russians uh, bomb a malfunctioning spy satellite, causing like a storm of debris, this cloud of flying metal going faster than speeding bullets, heading in the direction of the Hubble telescope and all of our astronauts. Spacewalking astronauts. Yeah, uh, not quite skywalking. Really kind of beyond that, I would right. say. And so... Above that. Yeah. And so, you know, this this cloud of debris comes, and we see one, like like a dart shot off from a Sentinel robot, um, <laughs> go clean through this guy's visor, Sharif's visor, and was your man down, man down, man down. And then the, like the rest of the cloud comes and just wrecks all of their You've equipment seen the previews. And, and machinery. You've seen the previews. Exactly. Sandy goes spinning <laughs> off into space and it, and like we see it from basically her perspective. And so we don't really catch up with Sharif. Like he's just, he's just gone. And it's done so abruptly and so matter-of-factly that it almost elevates the horror. And so she gets rescued. George Clooney manages to save her. And they get pulled back. And we see Sharif's body again. And we look into the visor, and it's just a hole in the skull. And it's more gruesome than you'd expect a PG-13 movie to be able to get away with. And not long after that, they see like a photograph floating out into space because they're you know the space shuttle's been ripped apart. And then just after the photograph, there's a like a letterbox of Neil deGrasse Tyson saying, "Well, actually, <laughs> well, yeah, <laughs> right." And that guy's never done anything wrong. So yeah, sure. he's never it's done a single bad thing. Yeah, it's perfect. So this photograph floats out, and it's Sharif with his family. It's the only time you see his face because it's gone by the time we're we're around, and it's just. It's just rough. That's one of those things where, again, like, it's kind of just bad luck. You know, he just happened to, one, not be portrayed by a movie star, and <laughs> yeah. two, not be in the right place at the right time. And you're like, I'll never be in space. But you, that idea that, like, you could just be horribly maimed or disfigured or whatever and leave your loved ones behind in an instant, you know, sort of no, no matter what, that that's a scary thought. It's a, it sticks with you. It's a scary thought. Damn. So don't go to space, guys. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> Well, speaking of grisly deaths uh, and, uh, and how you know, your loved ones can be taken from you in the blink of an eye, Tim and Nick had to, had to leave. They were recalled to their home planet. And so it's just me and Chris in the lab now. That's right. It's, yeah, just us. We're getting transmission from their escape pod. Um, and uh, it does not look good, ground control. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, it's rough. So hopefully see him again. Well, yeah, well, if not... Uh, it'll not just, a betting man. If anyway. not, it'll be just a... Uh, Two boyfriends. 
Mm-hmm. Uh, but uh, so to close out, the the final one that I wanted to talk about is, you know, sort of a soberingly real death, but it's also a really fun one. Uh, you know, <laughs> yeah. uh, it's terrible, on for a the, note. terrible for the person, uh, but good for the story, I think. Uh, and that is Marvin from the film Pulp Fiction. Major spoilers ahead. <laughs> if that, I thought that was if, assumed for every single thing we've talked course, about so yeah, far. But, um, but if you have not watched Pulp Fiction, we can't just go into all of it because it's a little complicated. But yeah. in one scene, John Travolta and Samuel L. Jackson are, you know, they're just two guys uh, driving in a car in L.A. <laughs> guys being dudes. Just being dudes. You know, two boyfriends, I'd say. Hello, everybody. It's Walt again. Uh, this section also dropped out. We will not be spoiling Pulp Fiction for anybody. Uh, maybe go watch that movie and find out what happens to Marvin. Might not be something good. <laughs> Who knows? Uh, but yeah, but what you should also enjoy is how beautifully I wrap this next segment up. Goodbye. Yeah, none of us are probably going to get, you know, eaten by giant worms or, uh, or torn apart by T-Rexes in all likelihood, but sudden and uh, horrific death for people who did nothing karmically seemingly to warrant that, uh, happens all the time, you know, and, uh, and is again, very sobering and very scary. Yeah. In a way that, you know, Michael Myers probably can't be. Yeah. So I think, uh, that closes us out. Yeah. Um, I've just, just a brief honorable mention for, Deaths that are extremely deserved, um, Nazis, as yeah. we've said, but um, are among the most grisly um, is basically every character that gets killed in Raiders of the Lost Ark. Yeah. Um, especially the end scene, but also the shaved head bully who gets eaten up by a propeller. Yeah. Yeah, it is. Those are like the definitive like horror scenes and non-horror movies. Yeah. Uh, well, I don't have anything to recommend especially, but I will say that Noel just received a... Uh, a book called The Dictionary of Superstitions. Oh, okay. Which is by this sort of Oxford-based folklore scholar. And yeah. uh, it is literally just, it's laid out just like a dictionary, like A to Z. It's written in this like very matter-of-fact way, mm-hmm. uh, which is perfect. It's like, like there's something there that's just wolves, you know? <laughs> uh, and so it's like, you know, most wolves obviously are a sign of, uh, you know, of, of terror, but uh, many of them are blah, 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 you know? I gotcha. Uh, but, like, we looked up last night, like, bay leaves because I just finished eating spaghetti and the bay leaf had come out of it. Mm-hmm. And, like, there's there's things of this all over. Um, so uh, my phone, unfortunately, is dead and I can't look up the author, but you should be able to find it, just the Dictionary of Superstitions. That's... Um, is Extremely a, a perfect show. perfect October Halloween surprise. Hell yeah. Hell yeah. No, that's awesome. And I, that reminds me, since you guys don't appear to be seeing it, <laughs> <laughs> every day I have been recommending a different horror movie uh, on our Instagram with a little like blurb or essay yeah. thing with it and just talking about some of my favorites. And so that's ongoing recommendations for for the spookiest of months, October. So definitely, definitely check those out the movies and the Instagram posts. And if you could leave a like, wouldn't hate it. That's all. <laughs> uh, just a little, little instant gratification would be nice. I've definitely appreciated them. Good. Uh, but I've, he- I've hesitant, hesitated to like our own posts, you know, but sure. Maybe. It's, it's a little, a little pathetic, but yeah. So anyway, uh, no, that sounds fucking awesome, dude. I, it, by all means, if you could lend it to me when you're done or tell me, uh, I can yeah, find for it. sure. Well, it sounds like we just need to host a party, you know, <laughs> and, and, a reading party. Yeah. Yeah. No, um, I'm definitely down. 
Well, uh, those have been some grisly deaths uh, for people who don't deserve it. Mm-hmm. Uh, I hope that everyone listening uh, is spared uh, the headsman's axe. <laughs> That's right. Uh, for another day. Yeah, avoid propellers, avoid Chernobyl. tripod uh, tripod aliens. Yeah, avoid Boston, avoid outer space. <laughs> right. Uh, you definitely don't want to go to a Skull Island. That's right. Uh, or like an Isla Swarna or Nublar. Uh, you just want to stay away yeah. from spy shit. Not worth it. Yeah. Spy shit across the board. Not worth it. Don't, don't sell it. Your friends for d- money. Don't be a police officer and definitely don't go to an evil residence. Uh, yeah. I got to say, I feel like I haven't had any need to do any of those things. Yeah. So, and so it should, should be pretty easy. Still alive, baby. That's uh, right. <laughs> still kicking. So anyway, and don't do a world war two. So, <laughs> uh, but yeah, for my boyfriend's podcast, you've been Chris and I've been Walt. I want to say, Shout out to Nick again. Shout out to Nick. Hope um, he hears us. Yeah. <laughs> Somewhere <laughs> out there in in the cold void of space. Cold, yeah, Irondale. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Good luck with that debris. I want to say thank you to Drew Price for our theme song. Don't go, Drew. If you have any particular fears of dying, any particular movies that scarred you, either in uh, childhood, adolescence, or adulthood, that were not supposed to scar you, as far as you knew, uh, please let us know at... Uh, my boyfriend's podcast on Instagram at my boyfriend's pod on Twitter or at Gmail at my boyfriend's podcast at gmail.com. Uh, we'd love to hear from you as always love a fan interaction. That's right. And most of all, we love you. We love our fans. Stay safe out there. That's right. That's right. That's right. That's right. That's right.